are continuing our journey into what it means to be a living invitation, and we've, we've carried that over into this Christmas season. What does your life look like to the people around you? What does it say about Jesus? What, is it, what are you inviting them into when you encounter them? How many have been asking that question since we've started this journey? Anybody? Okay. And this, remember, the question is not about perception. It's about what are you allowing people to see God do in your life? Because sometimes we can hold things back. Who's held things back? Okay. Well, if the Lord is Lord of our life, we can't hold back. We have to give him full access and be prepared to invite whoever, whenever, into those places if and when the Lord is leading. Now, I'm not saying cast your pearls before swine, but what I'm saying is to be prepared to go where Jesus goes, right? And so the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about Matthew 11 and being yoked to Jesus. Because if you're yoked to Jesus, you're going to go where he goes. That's an extension of John 15. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Be where he is. And when Mark spoke, he was talking about the unforced rhythms of grace when we're yoked with Jesus, that we can live out a place of rest and not a honey-do list. Not to the point where we are just so burned out because what happens is we can't enter rest. We enter what's called recuperation. Because without being yoked to Jesus, it's always going to be recuperation because you're always trying to make up for what you spent. But being with Jesus, we begin to live out of a place of rest because he restores, correct? He makes all things new so we can have a fresh start to start from a place of rest and not recuperation. And then last week we talked about how when we're yoked to Jesus, we don't have to fear the unknown. How many are afraid of the unknown at times? Oh, I I don't know anyone that isn't. And how we make our plans to control that fear, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so I'll make a plan, then I'll know, and if I complete that plan, planners, what happens when you complete your plan without a hitch? You make another plan, because it feels oh so good. This plan went out without a hitch. I'm the master planner. There were no audibles thrown. It went well. How am I going to celebrate? Make another one, because it feels good. But God will lead us in the places we cannot plan for. We can only hold on and say, I'm with this guy. I told a story last week about a friend of mine who was 6'6 in high school. He's probably still 6'6. And there wasn't any body fat on him. And he was a stud wrestler from Arizona. And we met on a missions trip. And we hung out. And so he would come to San Diego. And then I would go to all the places I felt insecure about because I thought I was going to get beat up. And I would go, I'm with this guy. And then I would poke the bear. Because I knew I was safe. I did. I said, what can I get away with? Because I'm with this guy. And his eyes were real close together. And he snarled. And he just looked. You don't want to mess with him. But we're yoked with Jesus. And so we can come into any situation and go, I'm with him. Well, today, we want to acknowledge what happens in this season. I don't know about you, but I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And what are some things I deal with when we come into this season? And remember, what is represented in the Christmas season is an every season reality for us. That Jesus has come. He's here. He died for our sins. Raised again so that we can have life with him. Not life for him. Life what? 
with him. But one of the things I think about when I come into this season is usually the people I need to forgive because I'm very aware of the purpose of Jesus. How many of you can think of someone that you have struggled to forgive and are in the process of, or you need to forgive and you don't want to enter the process? Okay, that's fair. I have those people. And I'll tell you what, it becomes really challenging, doesn't it? Because we are to receive the forgiveness. We've, we've, we're all here because hopefully that we've, we've said we want to receive the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, repent. And when I say repent, it means change our patterns. But change our patterns according to the love that we receive from God and what that provokes. Not this blind, I'm going to do this because it's, I'm supposed to do this. It's a love response that we have to God. But what can happen is that we live a life of penance rather than a life of grace. And a life of penance is about self-preservation more times than not. For example, I this past week had a terrible parenting moment. <laughs> Who's had those parents? They tell you you'll make mistakes as parents, but then I realized I didn't realize how many I would make. And I walk into my house right when I get off work. And sometimes when you walk in from a busy day, it's like someone is waiting behind the door with a plastic bag and then puts it over your head and smothers you. And you can't breathe. It's like I need a little space, from the, just, just a little space, so I can walk into the craziness that a four-year-old and a two-year-old conjure up. And so I walk in, and, and Emmett's in this Star Wars phase at a young age, he's like anything that looks like a stick. He's like, like a, a Jedi. And so he's coming at me, and he's doing this like force push thing at me, and he wants me to play right away. And he's like, Daddy, I'm Kylo Ren. Rah! Or I'm a Jedi. Rah! And then Grace is like, Daddy, look at this. Look at this. Look what I made. But a boom, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom. And you're going, whoa, stop. And I would like to say, and then, and then they, they provoke you. They want your attention. There's the vase. Oh, dad's not listening to me. Or, you know, I'm not supposed to do this. And because you're so overwhelmed, because you didn't have a breath, you have one of your best parenting moments of all time, right? Let, sweetie, let me pay attention to you. No, why'd you do that? Emmett, stop. You're a hurricane. Just sit over there. Gracie, oh, just stop talking for two seconds. Just two seconds. And then you just blow up. And immediately, once all that's out, the volcano is erupted, then you have perspective, and then guess what happens? Oh, I'm a terrible parent. (laughs) If anyone heard that, they're going to report me. You know, or, and then you, you, the guilt creeps in. So then I went up to Gracie, I said, Gracie, Emma has no idea what just happened. He's just like, but Gracie's aware and I get on one knee, and I say, Gracie, I am so sorry that I shouted. And you know what she says? It's okay, Daddy, I forgive you. I forgive you. And she moves on. She's forgiven me. Now, according to grace, according to God's character, he has forgiven us, correct? How do we receive that? Because I'll tell you what, I didn't feel forgiven 
because I did not forgive myself. Because now I look at her and I'm going to be nicer to her. I'm going to be more tender to her. I'm going to hug her more. I'm going to do all these things so I can feel less guilty about what transpired instead of stepping to the gift of forgiveness and the past to now just, all right, well, let's change your response maybe next time. I don't have to make up for anything, but I do have to be prepared to learn and change my response because I love her. But when I start changing all my behavior to make up for something, that's not about her, that's about me. And so when, oftentimes when we come into the season, we focus on Christ being the embodiment of grace and forgiveness. I start going through the laundry list of people I need to forgive. And then I go, eh, I don't know about this year, maybe next year. Because right? I, I don't know about you, but I do this thing where I rate them between a 1 and 10 and how much I don't want to forgive them. And when they're a 10... I go, you know what, maybe I'll forgive two fours or a five, and I'll make up for this one. Yes, has anyone ever done that? Yes, because it's so intense. Trust has been broken. There's so many things that have happened in these relationships, or maybe damages that I've caused, and I'm a 10, and I can't forgive myself. But here's the deal. When we look at Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now remember, we talked about this last week, and we said, uh, he's not a gas station where you can, you know, just, oh, well, I need him today, so I'll just stop in, fill up, and then, in about three months, when life hits rock bottom again, I'll just come back. It's an everyday reality to walk with Jesus. And when we do, we learn from him. And what we forget is that he gives us, because he is grace, he is the embodiment of grace, he gives us the space to fail. I'm not talking about sin, but to fail. How do you learn, really learn, without, opportuni- without opportunities and space to fail? When you practice it, I, I, I did sports growing up, and practice was a place where I could learn through trial and error on how to hone your skills in whatever you're doing. And God gives us a space. He doesn't expect us to get it right every time, every moment, but he's a good father, and he gives us space to learn. He is not afraid of our stuff. He invites our stuff. As long as we're giving it to him, even our doubts and our fears, and bring it on. He is not threatened. He's not easily offended. How many know really sensitive people? Oversensitive people, maybe. And we might be one of them. I know areas in my life where I can be oversensitive. And when you put me in a corner, and you're in that, talking about that subject matter, you don't want to do that. Because I'll have a bad parenting moment. (laughs) But we, some of us can be really oversensitive, and we can't take certain things. When we're questioned, we're defensive, we're this, we're that. God is not that way. He invites your stuff. That's the beauty of his grace because he will help you through it. He is the one that is walking with you. I'm with him. 
our lives, we as a church family, and I'm not just talking about Bridgewood, I'm talking about the universal church, have to be a living invitation to people on how to receive the love and grace of God. Because if we don't learn that, we can't love the way that we are called to love and extend the grace that we are called to extend. Because we don't know how to receive it. It'll be partial. It won't be, it won't be the full thing, in a sense. Because I don't, man, I'll tell you what, I have a trouble receiving a cup of coffee. Because I don't feel I deserved it. Now, if that's how I see myself, and I won't let myself have a cup of coffee that someone wants to bless me with. Whoa! Giving you insight to my own soul here. How do you think I, how much trouble I have receiving the love of God? It's a wrestling match. But it's a wrestling match that I have learned to take to him. And each day grow in that and learn from him on how to receive it, how to be in it. What's going to happen on New Year's Day? What do we do? Are we sleeping? Okay, but what, what, do we prefer, what do we prepare for? Resolutions, right? This shows you how, how terrible we are at receiving grace sometimes. Yoking ourselves to grace. I am not, I am not diminishing uh, the value that some of those resolutions can have. So don't hear what I'm not saying there, okay? But oftentimes what happens is that the kind of resolutions we make can be, and I, a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people, a form of penance. Well, I didn't do it last year. I'm going to do it this year. Sometimes it's, you know, I, you know, I want to, it's bucket list stuff. But most people I talk to, it's about character development. And I would like to be better at this. I would like to forgive this person. I would like to do this. And we make our list, but they become overwhelming because you're always trying to make up for something. It's the reality. I see it in my life all the time. Well, I got to smooth this over. So I've got to do A, B, C, and D. So I don't know how to I carry this guilt anymore. But I don't have to carry the guilt. Jesus has taken that. That baby in that manger is the representation of the one who has carried the burden, the sin, death, all its consequences upon his shoulder, upon his life. In 1 Timothy 2, this is what we see. God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. At just the right time, we received the gift of grace that brings freedom, not just the consequences of sin and not just into salvation, but freedom from having to carry the guilt and having to make up for it and the penance and all of that comes with it to self-preserve whatever positive identity we might hold ourselves in, if any. Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I have to cling on any positive thing I can see. And make that my identity. But my identity is in Christ Jesus. I know that, but how do I get there? I have to let him love me. 
Well, that's hard because I perceive how much he loves me through the things that I've done that don't deserve that love. I can't understand. I'm not even going to pretend to understand grace. I, I, I can't. You know, there's those questions, how do birds fly? Well, they can, <laughs> so they do. <laughs> Why? How can God love us so much? I don't know, but he does. And I want to get to a place where I can accept that and receive that. Because the steps are simple. Uh, yoke to me. Uh, come over here. Stay put right where I am. That's not hard to understand. That's geography. Correct? Come, come over here. So we can go, I, I'm with this guy. And we will learn how to receive grace. I can't tell you how to do it. Because I'm learning it. But I can tell you we need to learn it. Because if our lives are going to be a living invitation of the grace of God, we better be engaging how to receive the grace of God. So that people can see the struggle and know that the struggle is okay because it's how we're going to learn. And see the importance of it and the potency of it. So that we can extend that grace and forgiveness to the people that we don't think maybe deserve it. But God sees them in a way we cannot on our own. He loves us with a definition of love we will never possess outside of his Holy Spirit. Outside of who he is. We cannot come up with a definition that can adequately, adequately display the true ramifications of God's love. We have to accept it. I want to learn to live in the love of God that he has for me. If I look at myself through my own eyes, I'm not going to see someone worthy of that love. If I look at myself the way he sees me, which is the way I see my kids, I begin to get it. Because my kids can suffocate me at times, but at least they want to be with me. And they can do crazy stuff and annoy me to no end. But the love I have for them only increases. It doesn't decrease. So we're made in the image of God, so the, the relational structures that we have are an example of his own. He set them into place. The parent-child relationship is something God is and has developed. So it is, it's not surprising that we can see God and how we love our kids and how hopefully we're loved by our parents. When all those things are as they should in a healthy way, we get this beautiful picture of God and we begin to kind of get it. I'm going to love my kids no matter what they do or how much they may hate me or how much they are angry with me. There will not be a time I cut them off in my heart. Now multiply that by infinity and that's how God feels for us and that almost makes me nauseous. <laughs> but we get the point. I've said it so many different times. I'm going to say it again. Remember, the world doesn't need more information. They need to see more application. And they need to see us struggle with the reality of who God is in our lives. Because it's a struggle. It's a good one. It's a beautiful one. 
We can't be, we can't be the followers of a Christ that whisk away everything, that everything's okay. Well, Jesus is on the throne, so everything's okay. Well, yes, in the you know, universal sense, yes. But for my moment of pain right now, yeah, no. He died. I, what? That doesn't help me. Imagine what the world will look like if we were able to sit with people in their questions and their doubts and not bring correction, but bring direction. What would that look like? Well, there would be a dialogue. There would be an invitation for people to see Jesus within us. I don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to pretend to because I'm ordained. I still have questions at times. I still have doubts at times. But I am convinced that God is trustworthy. See, what happens is with grace and forgiveness, we don't know if we can trust ourselves, and we don't know if we can trust others again. But here's the deal. If we yoke ourselves to Jesus, we know that we can trust him. If I've been burnt by someone, which I have plenty of times, how do I allow forgiveness to take place in my heart that I can trust them yet? I don't know. That's how it feels. I don't need to know. What I need to know is that I can trust Jesus, and Jesus is going to lead me step by step. What we see in Matthew 11 is that, or excuse me, 1 Timothy as we hear this, this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time, which says this, he moves at the right time. The things he says and he does are in his time, which is the right time, the right place, the right people. We just hitch a ride with him. I don't know. I, I mean, I can think of right now the person I need to step into forgiveness with. And believe me, I'm coming up with four or five, four or fives that I can forgive and step in and forgive this person. But that's not what God wants. The process that I'm not looking forward to stepping into when I leave this place, I'm really not, of struggling with how to receive grace in such a way to give grace to this person is going to reveal more about the character of God than I could ever imagine as long as I allow myself to go through the pain and the challenge of the journey. But the fruit will be undeniable. It will be undeniable. We cannot live off penance and and self-preservation anymore if we are to say, Jesus is Lord. Either is or he isn't. And when we say he is, he's going to give us the space to live and struggle and challenge us into it. And we will get there day by day. But we have to allow ourselves to receive the grace to do those things. I want to ask you this uh, as we close. If you wouldn't mind raising a hand, how many are a little frightened by having to go on a journey like that? Okay. Can you hold that hand up a little bit? I want you to look around because you're not alone. <laughs> it can be frightening. But remember, it's one step. It's not a 12-step how-to book to receive grace. It's one. I'm with him. I'm going to yoke myself to him. As wonderful as those books are, I don't need 40 steps. Jesus doesn't need to give us 40 steps. He says, one, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, let's not be apart from him. (laughs) Or else we're running around doing nothing. That makes no sense. Does that make any sense to you? 
No. I am so grateful for the simplicity of God. Which is one of his greatest strengths. And is one of the greatest compliments I can give him. Because he doesn't need to confuse us with a how-to manual. He wants us to receive who he is. So he simply says, yoke yourself to me and you will learn. I'm gentle and humble and I will walk with you. I will be with you. I will work through your anger. I will help you work through your questions, your doubts, your fears, your funks, your slow times, the times you walk away from me. When you, when you start walking back, I'm going to run to you. I'm not going to just wait for you to get to my doorstep. I'm going to run to you. And I'm going to embrace you. This is the God we serve. Not only that, even more importantly, this is the God that loves us, that we love back. Let him love you. You're worthy of it because he says you are. You may not know why. Why do birds fly? Because they can. Why does he love us in spite of that? Because he can and he does for his good pleasure. And we have to come to grips with that and accept it. And that, to me, is the beautiful message of, that, of Jesus in that manger. That is the invitation you get to give to every person you encounter. That's the best form of evangelism. Let them see your relationship with Jesus no matter what state it's in. Because then they know he's safe to wrestle with. And he's a God who truly loves. Because a God that doesn't is the one that discards. If we're fearfully and wonderfully made, you better believe he's staying with us our very last breath. Are we going to let him? So receive the blessing this morning. I just want you to posture yourselves here for a minute. I want to bless you with the undeniable clarity and courage to let God love you, shower his grace upon you, so that he can lead you into a place where you're ready. You may not feel prepared, but you're ready to say yes to step on the journey of forgiveness. Because we are to forgive as he has forgiven us, and it's hard. And you may, not, you may not get there right out the gates, but he says, stay with me and you'll learn, you'll learn how to. Yoke to me, abide in me, and you'll learn. And I bless you with the strength and the courage to let go of the things that you've put on yourself, that we've put on ourselves, so that we can forgive ourselves and give ourselves the grace to learn from those mistakes, those missteps, and not make up for them, but step into the life that God has given us out of those things. For he leaves nothing to waste. So we thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would bless our tithes and our offerings. They would be used for your kingdom to affect relationally the lives and hearts of all those you put in our way. We ask that you would bless the resources here.
beyond what we could comprehend. That you would do what you do and take five loaves and two fish and multiply them. So we thank you. Would you bless our time in worship this morning? We ask that you would have your way. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.